Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Chip Gibbons. Chip Gibbons is the Policy and Legislative Counsel for the Bill of Rights Defense Committee. He is also a writer whose work has been featured in Jacobin, Truthout, and Counterpunch. Bill of Rights Defense Committee is at bordc.org. Chip Gibbons, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Well, thank you for having me on, David. Uh, I probably don't remember this, but many, many years ago, I sat next to you at a congressional hearing um, at the end of the Bush administration when Dennis Kucinich brought up his, um, his bill to impeach George Bush. And I pointed out to you that one of the congressional members had fallen asleep and you put it on <laughs> AfterDowningStreet.com. This is before Twitter. I do. I, do. Uh, so I felt like that was my great contribution to history, making sure that it was always recorded that this person fell asleep during the hearing. Do, do you remember who it was? I, I cannot remember the name of him. I just, I just remember. I, I didn't. I, I, I've seen AfterDowningStreet.com. I did not realize you were the David Swanson. I said that, that guy over there is asleep, and you put it online, and then later that day I saw it on your website. Well, well, we will have to look that up, and I will get that onto the Talk Nation Radio website so people can uh, follow up and uh, and shame that individual for uh, posterity. But uh, uh, we would, of course, all be much better off uh, if they all collectively fell asleep. Uh, <laughs> Because uh, look at some of the stuff they're doing. Let's t- let's talk about a few of the things that uh, the Roots Action, where I work, and Bill of Rights Defense Committee, uh, where you work, have put up a, a petition at RootsAction.org opposing uh, at least one section of the so-called Intelligence Act. Uh, what what is this, and and what's wrong with it? Sure. So in both the Senate and the House version of the Intelligence Act, there's a section uh, about. Um, countering covert Russian action, and covert Russian action is defined in a number of ways. It includes terrorism, assassinations, and I would agree that terrorism and assassinations are pretty bad things, Um, human rights abuses, but then it also has false information and media manipulation. And that's getting a little bit disturbing because there's been a series of um, arguments throughout the presidential election that Putin or Russia is somehow manipulating the media, or they're producing false news. And of course, there is a huge sort of problem on the internet with people spreading unreliable stories around. There's very little evidence that any of this is actually coming through Russia, as opposed to just the general run-of-the-mill conspiracists we've always had in this country. Um, and, but, but it's but, a little bit, sorry, what a little do, bit more... Well, yeah. well, what do we need a special committee for? I, I mean, if well, somebody's yeah, assassinating yeah. somebody, don't you prosecute that as a crime? If somebody's torturing somebody, don't you investigate and prosecute them for torturing? I mean, you used to, maybe, not in this country. But uh, if, if somebody uh, is engaged in some nefarious activity, uh, I mean, don't isn't the FBI already there domestically and the CIA abroad? And so why a, a new committee that can do anything the president wants? So that's a really good point. Seth Ackerman in The Guardian had reported about the bill that the White House actually was not supportive of it because it was redundant because there are already other agencies working on it. I mean, obviously, there's a big push right now politically to do something about Russia uh, because of the allegations that are being made. And there's also a real desire to use the sort of claim that Russia is manipulating the media to sort of censor people and sort of um, bully activists. I mean, uh, 
was a couple years ago, one of the NATO generals or one of the NATO commanders said to the Washington Post that, you know, he thought fracking activism was uh, promoted by Putin. And if you listen to Clinton's speeches to Goldman Sachs, she actually claims the one that Putin is secretly funding the um, anti-fracking activist. So you have these sorts of claims circulating around that uh, anyone we don't like, we saw it during the Trump campaign, they made these accusations against the right, but Clinton was also behind closed doors at Goldman Sachs, making them against anti-fracking individuals, that they're somehow working for Russia. And this took a really scary turn when the Washington Post published a study composed of these anonymous individuals who didn't really share their stories, their methodology. It was called Proper Not, and they listed 200 um 200 media sites that they claimed were Russian propaganda. And then some of them were like RT and Sputnik, which do receive subsidies from the Russian government. Uh, other of them were just like conspiracy sites, like UFO Hulk. I highly doubt that Putin is sitting around uh, promulgating UFO conspiracy theories on a very poorly done website. I would think he had better things to do. Um, but then final setting component was a lot of websites like Counterpunch, which I know you've written for and I've written for, turns out... Uh, Black Agenda Report, um, Antiwar.com, the Raw Paul Institute, uh, websites that are, you know, fairly reliable and considered very serious, but are independent news sources that, um, you know, take a dissenting position than sort of the mainstream one on a lot of issues. So there's very clearly an attempt here to sort of conflate dissent with being a Russian propagandist. And if you go on the proper not website, and they tell you how to spot Russian Russian propaganda. They have all these things like uh, promoting the gold standard, being concerned with the deficit, being concerned with police brutality, um, being concerned with internet privacy. Like pretty, you know, any anyone in, in the country probably needs at least one of those things on that very long list. But they're all dissenting views. And you know, proper not is not the government, but. They did say on their website that, you know, these sites should potentially be investigated for violating the Espionage Act, and the Congress people pushing this committee had cited, you know, the Washington Post report on state news as being necessary for for um, making the committee necessary. And we know that a, a, a number of different agencies get to um, appoint people to it, so a number of the foreign intelligence agencies get to appoint people to it, but more disturbingly, the director of the FBI gets to appoint people to it, and that would mean that this committee would be looking domestically. And if this committee starts looking domestically about whether or not independent media is being manipulated by Russia, we're getting into a very serious First Amendment problem. And that's to say nothing of the fact that the FBI has a terribly long history of violating people's First Amendment rights and also manipulating the media. Um, the group I work for was initially founded as the National Coalition to Abolish the House on American Activities Committee. Its founder had over 130,000 pages of FBI files about him before the group was founded uh, because the FBI was spying on them. They leaked it to HUAC, and HUAC leaked it to the press that this committee had, um, that this group was going to be founded and all the members were communists. You know, so the right. FBI has a really fantastic history of manipulating the media, so I guess you know, they are experts in media manipulation. And if it does, whether on the committee, but it's very disturbing to have you know, the FBI cast with investigating this covert Russian influence, which includes media manipulation, and the bill is extraordinarily broad and extraordinarily vague. But given the general climate of fear and the types of allegations that are being thrown around, 
it's easy to envision it going off the rails very, very quickly. We should all be concerned by that. What do you think is driving this? Who's behind it? Because, I, I mean, I've read... Uh, Pentagon officials anonymously, of course, in the U.S. media in recent months talking about building up a Cold War with Russia for profits and for bureaucratic reasons, you know, and hyping the, the, the false Russian military threat uh, for, for profit, for weapons dealing and for, uh, you know, the, the army and NATO. But uh, if, if the powers that come out of this committee are going to be for going after political opponents and, and anti-fracking activists and so forth, maybe there's some, something else behind it. Who, who's creating this thing and why? I mean, it's hard to figure out who exactly is behind it. I believe a Republican named Richard Burr is credited with, um, with putting the provision in the act per Seth Ackerman's article. But it's also important to remember that a lot of people in the Democratic Party have been throughout the election spreading the idea that Putin is interfering on Trump's behalf and sort of smearing Trump as being a puppet of Putin. Um, the one MSNBC commentator posted on Twitter, you know, the Communist Party is rolling in their graves. Donald Trump, a supporter of Communist Russia, is going to be president. And it's like, have you read a newspaper in three decades? But, yeah. you know... You know, so a lot but, of the but this was passed by a Republican House, right? Yeah, so it's bipartisan, but Democrats have been very sort of reckless throughout the campaign in whipping up the accusations of widespread Russian interference in the U.S. Yeah, um, and of, of course the Republicans are, are going along, but I think it's a little bit more disappointing when you see some of the Democrats who are, you know, right on the Patriot Act, right on, right on NSA. Uh, very critical of the FBI, and then they turn around and are like, oh, Russian influence in our election. Yeah, there seems to be widespread belief in that, uh, despite the absence of any public information or evidence that I'm aware of. And and then the very next section, I don't know if the same uh, individual put it in there, but the very same, the next section of the of the so-called intelligence acts uh, is to restrict Russian diplomats to not travel more than 25 miles from their offices. Uh, only Russians, not no other diplomats in the United States. So it, it does seem like there's just a concerted effort to build up hostility with Russia in, in any way possible. And there's also a, a concerted effort about fake news. I mean, I think we're going to be hearing more and more about um, Congress trying to get involved with countering so-called fake news. You know, a lot of people were complaining that Facebook was promoting fake news. We had the very um, unfortunate incident on Sunday where somebody who had been reading a lot of conspiracy theories about a particular pizza place online went in with a gun. Um, so there is this sort of concern with, you know, fake news on the Internet, but the solution is not for Congress or Mark Zuckerberg, you know, whoever to come in and start telling us what is or is not fake news, because we've already seen, you know, this one group that got itself in the Washington Post are picking out, you know, independent media websites as well as, you know, actual, like, conspiracy theorist mills. Yeah. So, so here's one problem of trying to uh, to censor our news for us. Uh, the other bill that we wanted to talk about uh, is related to anti-Semitism. Um, we're speaking with Chip Gibbons from the Bill of Rights Defense Committee. What what is uh, Congress doing with anti-Semitism now? 
So on Thursday, the Senate introduced the Anti-Semitism Awareness Act, and then on Friday it passed unanimously by consent. It's gone to the House now. We don't know what's going to happen next. The House doesn't have the same um, procedures where you can quickly pass a bill like in the Senate. And you're probably thinking if you listen to this, oh, anti-Semitism is, is deplorable. It is an odious form of discrimination. Why shouldn't people be aware of it, particularly right now when we are in the post-Trump environment, seeing a spree of hate crimes committed against Jewish individuals, against Muslim individuals, against LGBT people. We see sort of a lot of the media helping white supremacists rebrand themselves as the so-called alt-right. So you might be thinking, well, this is a good idea. But the problem with the bill is that even though it's being touted right now as sort of a response to the post-Trump of hate, it's really uh, aimed at the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. And what the Anti-Semitism Awareness Act does is it forces the Department of Education, which has the responsibility for investigating anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism on this is when it becomes a, a civil rights violation, to use what's called the State Department definition of anti-Semitism. And the State Department definition of anti-Semitism comes from a, a 2005 uh, draft paper from an EU working group. The EU working group has since, um, you know, dis- uh, disowned this paper. They said the definition was never valid. The EU's never adopted it, uh, even though multiple members of Congress, or according to Bill, have on their websites, this is the definition the EU uses. The EU doesn't use it. And the uh, main drafter of it has even said that it shouldn't be used on college campuses. And what this definition does, it has that it uh, it was called the three Ds, and that's demonizing Israel, delegitimizing Israel, and holding Israel to a double standard. So at this point, it's really clear we're no longer talking about anti-Semitism, which is, you know, deplorable, which is odious, which is a serious problem in our society. We're now talking about conflating criticism of Israel with anti-Semitism and empowering the Department of Education to investigate um you know, campus activism. And this is actually really troubling because for a number of years now, a couple of the far-right, anti-free speech, anti-Palestinian human rights groups in this country had been going after student activists on campuses and filing civil rights complaints against them for having a teaching on the war in Gaza, having a mock checkpoint during Israeli, Israeli apartheid week, which in one of the complaints they compared to the passion play, um, really inflammatorily. And just stuff like that. And what the Department of Education has always said is, no, this is first amendment protected activity. This is free speech. You know, colleges are supposed to be places where ideas are shared, and this is political advocacy, not a civil rights violation. So since they completely failed to get the education to take this up on their own, they've been pushing for some time. Uh, and members of Congress, including Senator Harry Reid, has sent the DOE. Uh, letters asking them to adopt this definition, which they've never done, and now Congress is moving to sort of legislate it into action. So if this passes, it would sort of help to enable this sort of failed and very foolish strategy to, you know, smash campus activism with civil rights violation investigations. Because criticism of the Israeli government, even when it is criticism of not fake news or fake events, but actual crimes and outrages by the Israeli government, would then be labeled as as hate speech, as as anti-Semitism. 
I mean, the three standards, like double standard demonization, they're meaningless terms. They're absolutely vague terms. There's no way you can, like, conclusively prove whether or not somebody has a double standard for Israel. Like, what are you going to do? Go and investigate every comment they've made about every government ever? Be like, oh. Well, you, you add, up the, add up the vetoes at the United Nations on, of the United States on behalf of Israel. I mean, I, there's indisputably a double, That's a standard. double standard. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think in terms of uh, college students who uh, are criticizing Israeli war crimes, it's a little bit hard to try to investigate them for having a double standard. It gets very... Um... But, but and it... every government, when they're criticizing human rights abuses, always claims they're being held to a double standard. I mean, there was a, um, a report from some right-wing group on um, the U.S. bombing of the hospital in Afghanistan. said, oh, all this criticism of the U.S. for bombing a, a hospital... That's a double standard. We're held to a higher standard than anyone else in the world. And, it, you know, it's, it's always the same sort of resort, you know, yeah, but, standard. But I think the bill is clearly a double standard. I mean, is Congress passing a similar measure about uh, Muslim nations? Uh, if you criticize uh, the government of a Muslim nation, you're now uh, engaged in Islamophobic hate speech. Is, is there that sort of legislation in the offing? No, and I, I think that's a really valid point in that they are singling out Israel for special protection. And as you as you pointed out, I mean the UN the US vetoes at the Security Council resolutions and at Israel. Um, we've seen multiple states try to pass bills punishing people for um, supporting the BDS movement, and now we see Congress acting on this. So there is a double standard for criticism of Israel and and other other um, nation states that engage in human yeah. rights abuses. And, and we've if seen... If you criticized Russia, you'd be fine. Right. Clearly, yeah. If you if you didn't, you might not. Uh, no, you might not. We we've seen this. I I mean, several years ago, we passed through our city council here in Charlottesville, Virginia, a resolution that said, "Don't attack Iran. Don't start a war against Iran." And we thought, okay, great. Now we're going to go get. Berkeley and Cambridge and start getting bigger cities and get all the cities in the United States to pass this resolution, you know, because usually you, you can start a trend like that. Well, everybody just wrote back and said, oh, we can't do it. It's anti-Semitic. We, 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 you know, we raised the idea. We were told it's anti-Semitic to, to oppose attacking Iran. Uh, so, so this idea has been out there. Uh, and as you say, it's been brewing in universities. And I think in state legislatures, there have been similar in California and elsewhere. But where does it come from? Does it come from Israel? I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, there are different groups who advocate for these bills on the state level and, and on the national level. On the national level, it's being supported by the Anti-Defamation League and APAC. I know some of the state bills, uh, the ADL and APAC, have actually opposed it's violating the First Amendment. They've gone so far. Even APAC is like, no, stop really? right here. Um, they've been um, supported by local groups. Um, so I, I don't know if they're coming from Israel or not. I, I know that there's certainly a, a domestic uh, lobby for, for these bills in this in this country. Um, so I... I I, I can't answer where they're coming from, yeah. um, but you know there has been a bunch of state bills. There's been a number of different ways of them. The latest iteration has been trying to use state procurement powers to deny public contracts to businesses that are engaged in BDS. And it's interesting you mentioned California because if you listen to the hearings on the bill, 
all they talk about is not contract procurement, but student activism, which has nothing to do with the bill. But they keep saying, we need this bill because the students are supporting BDS. And if we pass this bill, someone can say to them, this is opposed by the state of California, which I guess they think is a great moral moral weight in an argument. I don't, I don't know if I would be convinced <laughs> by that. Um, so, so, I mean, it is very much, there is a definite uh, desire to clamp on a criticism of Israel. It's very much focused on the colleges right now because it's a lot of very exciting and dynamic activism going, out, going on around the BDS movement. So, is, uh, I mean, I think it's just, I think where it's coming from, is it's just sort of a reaction. I think they're taken, they were taken off guard by how successful advocacy for Palestinian human rights has become on college campuses in the last 10 years or five years even. It's just, it's uh, yeah. reversing public opinion very, very quickly. There, there still is, you know, occasionally some figure in Washington, D.C. who blurts out some obvi- obvious, you know, truth that you weren't supposed to say. So even uh, Donald Trump's nominee for Secretary of so-called Defense, uh, Mattis, uh, has said that Israel is, you know, creating an apartheid state. And, and Congressman Keith Ellison, uh, of whom I'm no fan and I'm not promoting for any new position, but he, he's uh, made some criticism of the Israeli government, is now labeled anti-Semitic. Are, I mean, are, are these people going to fall under the, the jurisdiction of this, uh, of this new language? No, they would not, because new language only applies to the Department of Education. So since they're not, you know, in a, public, in a university, a publicly funded university, they can't, they're not violating the civil rights. So, so... Governs that. It's so, only, it would only apply to on, speech on campuses. But it's the Department of Education, the Office of Civil Rights. But it would encourage this this culture of criticizing. Uh, sure, uh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it would absolutely encourage this culture because then you could turn around. Because right now, when they try to argue against CDS, they always say, "Oh, you know, it violates the EU definition, which isn't actually the definition of the EU." Or, "Oh, it violates the State Department definition, and the State Department definition does not apply domestically." So. You know, anyone else they get to legitimize these sort of quote unquote three Ds to sort of, you know, help promote this narrative that criticism of Israel is anti Semitic. And if you go and you look at the criticism they um, make of the BDS movement, they always get in, demonize, delegitimize, and double standard, even when they don't mention the sort of State Department definition. So they're sort of normalizing this notion that, you know, BDS does these three things. Yeah. Well, I love the, you know, removing the double standard. Maybe, you know, stop the free weapons, uh, stop the protection from international law, um, stop, you know, I think fair play with Israel would be, would be perfect. Right to the members of Congress who are, who are pushing this bill and then see how far you get. So, so what can, we have, uh, you know, a few minutes left. What can, people do who are concerned either about this McCarthyite committee and this anti-Russia committee to be created uh, or about this uh, uh, anti-Semitic, anti-Semitism if you, if you criticize Israel uh, in, a, in an educational institution. What, what can people do to, uh, to push back against this sort of stuff? So with the Russia with the Russia bill, as you mentioned, Roots Action, where you work, and the Bill of Rights Defense Committee uh, have a action alert you can take that will send a member to your me- a message to your member of Congress, 
telling them that you're opposed to this uh, measure and why you're concerned with it. I think with things like the Intelligence Authorization Act, a lot of members of Congress will sort of their large bills sort of voted them without knowing quite what's in them. I think making them aware that this is in there and you don't like it will be very it will be um, yeah. will be very helpful. I think with the Anti-Semitism Awareness Act, it's the same thing. Writing to a member of Congress, I think most people or many people in Congress, you know, see a bill in front of them, Anti-Semitism Awareness, and like who can be against this? And and they don't realize that it's not about being aware of anti-Semitism, which is a noble thing, which is something that you know we we should be aware of it, particularly right now. Um, and is instead, you know, promoting a very sort of narrow agenda of smashing the free speech rights of a particular social movement. Yeah, the the House, as we've noted, passed this. Uh, the the first thing we're talking about this this McCarthyite commission committee. The the House passed it. Do you think they passed it without? really knowing what it was about and uh, the, because the the action on the rootsaction.org website lets people send an email to their two senators and uh, and thousands of people have done so thus far but uh, the house is considered to be uh, to be done right yeah so yes the russian bill has passed or the intelligence authorization act which has the action about russia and it has passed the house and the senate now um, and the anti-Semitism awareness bill has passed the Senate, and it's in the House now. So, um, in both cases, they're halfway to passing it. But you think that legitimately there are senators and Congress members who just don't know uh, that these awful provisions are in there, and they read the title of the section and say, oh, I'm against anti-Semitism, or oh, I'm against uh, Russian crimes, real or fantasized, and, and let it pass? I think it's possible. I mean, I can't, I can't speak. I haven't gone and interviewed every member of, of Congress, but, you know, there's this scene in um, Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 9-11 where he's talking to um, John Conyers. He's sure. like, you mean most of the members of Congress didn't even read this bill? Don't they read the bills? And he just goes, sit down. Like, you know, like, you right. know. It was a very humorous scene, but I, I think it is, it is true. I mean, particularly since some of these bills, like the Intelligence Authorization Act, are, like, quite long, and you might not notice, like, one provision. And so, the provisions are put in them, you know, in the committees, and by the time they get to the floor, it's sort of like a, a done deal. You don't vote against the Intelligence Authorization Act, because it just has so many things in it that uh, most members of Congress would never, would never dream of, of opposing. It's very rare for one of those, that type of bill, to fail on the floor. And with the Anti-Semitism Awareness Act, I mean... You know, the bill just says, it just references the State Department definition of anti-Semitism. Um, of the 535 people who are in the Senate and House representatives, I don't know how many of them know off the top of their head what the State Department definition of anti-Semitism is. Right. I, I, I might be pleasantly surprised, but I also, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's like referring to the the definition of torture in the in the U.S. military uh, uh, handbook, and uh, they don't know that uh, you know it, it actually allows torture. That there there's gonna have to we're gonna have to have you back on this program because I want to talk about what your positive vision is apart apart from pushing back against you know yet more nasty ideas uh you know what what the vision for 
uh, improved rights and uh, and freedoms in the United States is for Bill of Rights Defense Committee. But uh, we appreciate your coming on. We've been speaking with Chip Gibbons, who is the Policy and Legislative Counsel for the Bill of Rights Defense Committee. Go to BORDC.org and go to RootsAction.org to write your senators and then call them and then go to their offices and then go to the media and make sure they know about this stuff. Chip Gibbons, thank you so much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you for having me, David. It's a pleasure. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.